Um, so like I was saying, we're going to finish up with Sergio, where, where Sergio finished last week. Um, and so now, um, before I start with the Word of God, I want to share this story. Because I want you to really understand where we're at in the text. Okay, so now a few years back in 2013, uh, me and some of the leaders of, of Caruso, we actually went to a conference in Chicago. And it was like the, like, it was the blessed experience and it was the crazy experience. It was tiring. It was like we drove from Houston to Chicago. And it was like all, like everything that, that we struggled with came out. Everything that we go through comes out. And it was a struggle. But when we were there at the conference, man, the Lord really worked in our hearts. Like really molding us and really showing us who Jesus really was. And, and, and in 2003, I've heard of this concept of preaching the gospel to yourself and how that looks like in everyday life. And I was like, how do we trust in Jesus in everyday life? And I was like, oh, man, this is good. This is good stuff. I was like eating it up. I was like, man, I, I want to practice this. You know, this is a, a beautiful reminder of all of us who are believers, the good news of Jesus Christ. But on the way back, you know, we came back. And back then, it wasn't like the way it is now. Like, we, we come to church, the church is already set, set up. We had a breakdown, and we had a set up. Meaning that the church were not in order, the, the, the stage, everything had to be set up. That same Sunday morning, the, the same Sunday that we got here, we had to do that. And we were already tired from that long drive. And so we had to do that. So we were tired. Sergio had a priest that we too, and he was, he was tired. And so we were just depending upon the Spirit of God to move because we were tired. And so I recall that moment, right? The day happened. We actually gathered in the morning. Uh, we gathered in the afternoon. We had lunch together. And we were talking about our days in Chicago and how we learned what we learned. And so my sister sends me a text, you know. My sister sent, sends me a text saying, hey, bro, are you here already? I said, yeah, man, sis, I'm here. I said, mom was just asking if you were here already. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm just tired. And, and uh, I just didn't feel like going to go visit my family because I was tired. That was the model. Sorry, I can see them tomorrow, right? And, uh, and even to this day, that, that's always creeping in my mind. I was tired, but I really wasn't. I, 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 I could have did everything to go over there to go visit my mom and my sister. Um, just to be very uh, personal, I was raised by a single mother. So that at 2 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call by my sister. Telling my mom's passed out and she's not breathing. That she's on the floor, conscious, not able to breathe. And, and she tells me, you better come over here. And so I got in my car, and I drove suicidal speed to get to my mom's place. To get in my mom's place. And I, you can imagine how I'm, what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. Like, man, my mom's dying. Or my mom's dead. I don't know what's happening. And so I get there, and I see my mom on the ground. Dead. And then the, the, the EMT showed up, and they revived her. They revive her, and they, and they revive her, like, praise God, right? I was praying to God. It was just seeing the scene of my mom being on the floor, being, uh, trying to wake her up, and trying to, I was just praying over my mom, and praying over my mom, and, and nothing happened, and then they revive her. So they take her to the hospital in the ambulance, and the hospital wasn't that far from where she lived at. So they take her, and then my sister said it happened again, it happened again in the, inside the ambulance. I'm like, man, sis, like, what's going on? So we end up in the emergency room. We end up in the emergency room. 
and then it happened again, and then the doctor comes in where we were waiting at and tells me and tells us the bad news that my mom passed away, that she choked on her vomit while she was sleeping. And it was at that moment I was holding my composure, I was holding it because of my sister, you know, she was crying, and I was like, man, I was like, I'm feeling it. It was the most saddest, the most darkest moment of my life. Very hard. Very hard to realize the one you love had just died. The, the one that cared for you has just died. And I was a believer. I knew, I, I knew the hope of the gospel. I knew that she believed in Jesus. But the pain was still real. It was so unreal to me. I was in a shock to realize that my mother had passed away. Oh, I had my struggles with the Lord. Like, where were you at, God? Right, moment. I thought you were the king of kings and the one who resurrects the dead, right, Lord? This is me in my unbelief. And so, that's not even the hard part of it. You know, that week, that, that lingered the week before, so we had to wait for the following weekend so we can bury her. Oh, when we buried her, that was a whole different story. To realize that I'm not going to see my mom in a physical sense ever again. That when I were throwing la tierra on the floor, that I know that that day will be the last day I'm not going to see my mom, period. Until I die as well when I see her with Jesus, right? I'm, I have to recall the hope of me having Jesus because it's a hard story for me to recall it, to recall back to. So I'm seeing that this is the burying her, and so my world just collapsed. My the it was gloomy, it was dark, it was sadness in my heart, it was depression, all the stuff that you can can think of was hitting my heart at that moment, seeing that my mom was being buried. The reason why I share this story is because this is where we're at in the text. The disciples denied uh, one denied him, the one betrayed him, and the ones ran off. Nowhere to be found. Right? And Jesus, and Jesus right here at this moment had just died at the cross. He cried out his last, he cried out his last words, which my pastor reminded us last week that it is finished. What a comforting words for us as believers. That it is finished, that Christ accomplished everything that we couldn't, that he fulfilled everything that we couldn't. Praise unto his name. But right here, we see that Jesus really died. That Jesus really died. That he was buried. And this is where we're at in the text. So as we read verse 40, uh, have this in mind, that the disciples and, and the women that we are about to acknowledge right here as we read, is that they're sad. They're depressed. They're in unbelief. The one that came to rescue them, the one who came and said that, they, that he was going to set his people free, is died. The one that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, gave uh, sight to the blind, the one who healed the leper, the one, all these things, all these miracles that they saw Jesus do, it has died. The one that they were putting all their hopes in has just physically died. So that in mind, we read verse 40. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of, Jones, of James, the younger, and Joseph, and Salome, 
I'll be honest with you, when I say Salome, I always think about the, the student loans that I have. It's not the same, but it's, it sounds similar. I'm sorry, it's just, it always hits me, but I, I just like, <laughs> never mind. But, um, um, but that being said, though, it's, <clears throat> so it says, uh, verse 41, it says, when he, <clears throat> sorry, the, the young and Joseph, the Salome, when he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. To Jerusalem. So we have these women right here, these faithful women. They're right here. They were the first witnesses of seeing this happen. They were there. And I, and I recall that, that Mary Magdalene was the one that was, that, that Jesus cast out the seven demons that she had. And then we have this, uh, Mary, this, this other Mary, uh, that had, that was distinguished by her sons. James the smaller one, James the younger one, and Joseph, his brother, and Salome. And I had a look at who was Salome. And this is the wife, this is the mother of the Zebedee brothers, the Zebedee sons, the, the sons of thunder. And these, these guys, and I, I, we had to recall back of this, this Salome person. Actually, she went to Jesus and tell her, hey, make sure my son, make sure my son's the one is in your left and one on your right before you die. Make sure that they have a, a, a place for you, with you. And I was like, man, you don't even know what you're asking, woman. You, Jesus is telling her, you don't even know what you're asking. He says, can you drink that cup that I'm about to take? He tell, she, he tell, Jesus tells her that. Like, man, and you know what we just learned a couple of weeks ago what that cup meant. The cup of, of the wrath of God. I said, Can you take this cup? Nah. But you will, he says. You will suffer. You will take a cup. You will suffer because of my name. So this is the this is Salome. This is the one that's there right now. That this is the one that uh Mark is mentioning here. But I, one thing that caught my eye. When Jesus was in Galilee, they followed him. They followed Jesus, ministered, ministered to him. And they were also, they ministered to him and they followed him. I want to share this with you. Uh, the one thing that I really realized that I hear that they, that we have these women that were here, what they were doing for Jesus. You know, they probably provided a place to stay. They provided probably food for them to eat, him and his disciples. You know, this loving care that they had towards the disciples. I can always picture this as I'm, I'm, I'm recalling back on, on like when I first moved into Northside Village. You know, I was living with my mom and my sister, and my sister was always, always the one cooking. You know, always cooking it up, or my, or my nieces. They were already older. And, but when I moved, there was no one there to cook. So I was like, I'm, I'm not the best cook. All I knew is certain things, but man, I was like, man, what the heck am I going to eat? It's like, I'm down here by myself, and I, I was like, I don't want to eat, I don't want to be eating sandwich all the time. But, so I'll go to Sister Tia Delia's house, uh, Pastor Serge's mom, and she hooks it up, and she cooks it up, man, she hooks it up. And, and not only that, but like, she knew the things that I lacked in my house. So she gave me a whole, a whole bunch of sewerware, and like, stuff that I needed. And I was like, man, see, a mother's care. These sisters that, that, that were mentioned here, these faithful women, they were, the mothers cared towards Jesus and the sisters of Jesus, how they cared for them. And so we have this, and I, and I always remind myself, and Theodelia is one thing, 
But I always recall that I, I always just go to Sergio's house. And, and I know a lot of people can relate here. They will go to their house and Sister Sophia is either cooking it up or doing something. There's always something there. You know, if it's either her or the kids. But someone's cooking there. So I'll make sure I'll go over there and I get, I'll, I'm either getting fed. But, like, but I'm realizing this. But you start seeing the heart of these women. How faithful they were towards Jesus. How they were following him. Yes, they had their doubts as we see, as we continue in the text. But, but right now we're seeing how faithful they are. Because we're starting seeing that not, not only they were from a distance. And in John chapter 19, I actually said that they were by the cross. They were actually by the cross. So you see how brave these women were. How courageous they were. Oh, man. To be an eyewitness of Jesus Christ's death and burial. To realize that at that time, in those times, the, the, the value of a woman wasn't, it was not, for, for the Jews, they were in their culture, weren't valuing the woman's uh, witnessing in the courts at all. So we having these women right here being the eyewitnesses of Jesus' death, not only his death, but his burial. So as we continue to read, verse 42. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Amorthenius, and a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Jesus was crucified on Friday and buried before the evening that same day. In the Jewish culture, when it's, when it's the Sabbath day, they rest from no working. So from Friday evening to Saturday evening, they honor this time. This is why Jesus had to be buried before Friday evening. God is very detailed on the people he uses for his will to be done. And this man Joseph of Armathenium, who had a high standing, a high standing within the Jewish community, which gave him access to Pilate. But I want you to realize this, though. The standing that he had, the, 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 the influence that he had towards the Jewish people and how he can easily go into uh, meet up with Pilate. I want you to see that how, how, how Mark is very detailed on what he says and how he says it. Because, okay, you have the women that were witnessing, and you have this man right here, Joseph of Armathenia. So there's proof, there's facts that this happened, that Jesus had died. There's proof that Jesus had died. And we continue on. But this Joseph of Armathenia was had a high standing with the Jewish community. So he had this entry to be able to go to go meet up with Pilate. And he asked for the body of Christ. The body of Jesus. But then not, not only that, Joseph was wealthier. He had money. He had money, so he also had a, a nice tomb to, where, to bury Jesus at. A temporary tomb, right? Temporary. I'm going to recall that, temporary. Only, he was going to only use it for a couple of days. But as we continue to read, when, Jesus, when uh, Joseph of Armathenia asked 
Pilate for, for Jesus, he was surprised to hear that he should have already died. But he summoned someone else. Like he couldn't believe that Jesus died. Because in that time when someone was crucified, it was a long death, a, a very agonizing death. Like it, it, took a time, it took a while for someone to die upon the cross. It, took a while, it takes a while. It was like in, 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 in that Roman times, they were just, they loved to see somebody in pain, in agony. There was like their enjoyment. So one of the reasons why uh, Pilate was surprised that he died, and he's like, oh, I'm going to bring someone else in. I'm going to bring someone else. And he brings a centurion. And this centurion, it was, if we recall back in verse, nine, uh, verse 39, this was the centurion that was close to Jesus that heard his last cry. That it is finished. And what did he say? That this was truly the Son of God. Can you know that this Roman soldier, this Satarian, experienced and saw Jesus die? So there's another witness. Another person that can backdoor what, what just happened, that Jesus died. Amen? So now, <clears throat> so now we have this centurion that confirms this, that confirms that Jesus was dead. Now, I want, as we read in verse, um, verse 43, and I, I love what it says here. He says that Joseph was actually looking for the, king, uh, for the kingdom, but he took courage in asking Pilate and asking him, because you think he was part of the council that, that wanted Jesus dead. And he was part of that group. And he, he was not necessarily agreeing to that. And so he comes to Pilate and asks him for the body of Jesus. Like, Man, didn't y'all just told me? Didn't y'all just told me y'all wanted him to crucify? And he's like, and then so he's like asking for Jesus' body, right? And now we have, we have the, this, the, the, the confirmation of this centurion that said that Jesus was dead. And, and then now we have Joseph here. Um, bringing a, a, a linen cloth for Jesus. They bring Jesus off the cross and they cover, and they cover him up with this linen cloth, cloth to cover him up and they take him to this tomb. And give me this, hear this, hear this is that at about this time, you see that the women are still looking at this. They're still witnessing what is happening. They're seeing that Joseph and, 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 and then someone in the book of Jan, and John actually says that Nicodemus was there. And so you have Joseph actually was actually wealthy. So you might have servants to helping them off, helping to get down Jesus from the cross and actually putting him in the tomb. So we have this right here. Now they wrap him up in this linen cloth and laid him on the tomb. And that has been cut out, out of the rock. He rolled the stone against the, as, against the entry of the tomb. So then they rolled this stone. Roll it up. They, cover, they, they roll this stone where the tomb's at. Normally when they would do this, it's because so they won't let no robbers or anybody get in there, no, or animal to get in there to devour the, the body. But we have to realize this, that, that that tomb, that rock, was super heavy, and as we read, as we continue reading, it says, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Another one, another fact. The women were there to see where Jesus was laid. 
So they would not be like surprised, where is Jesus at? Where is Jesus at? Where is he laid at? No, they knew where exactly Jesus was at. Now, verse six, chapter 16, now we're in verse 1. <clears throat> when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices, so that he might go and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week. So now, Sabbath has passed, Friday night, Saturday evening, now morning. Sunday, Sunday morning, the first early, when the sun rises, that's what it says. And now we have here, but I want you to see something here. We recall back in Mark chapter 14 that Jesus foretold about his death and resurrection. He foretold what was going to happen. His disciples and the people that were around Jesus, they knew what Jesus had said and all what how their doubted hearts, unbelieving hearts that they have. What, how do I know this? How do I know that this is it? Because they're already buying spices. They're not, belie- they're not believing that Jesus is going to resurrect, as he said he was, that he was going to resurrect on the third day. I mean, they knew that it was Sunday. They knew it was the third day, as Jesus said. But they didn't. And even the disciples not even there. The disciples were, there, were not there at all. So they are already... Sad. I mean, where's my hope at? Where's my hope? Oh, for me. Right? We had the king right here, and now he's dead, and now he's buried. Right? Always recall back, the reason why I gave that story, my personal story of my mother passing away and being buried, is that this is how they felt. It was sad to them. It was just, 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 they, they just didn't know how to react to it, of this reality in their life that Jesus had died, really. So now, verse 2. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun has risen, they went to the tomb, and they they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entry of the tomb? Another way of thinking, another way of seeing, oh, these doubtful women, you know, again, not believing of the resurrection, not believing that Jesus, what he had promised, that he was going to fulfill and he was going to do, they were doubting it. So they're walking by. Like This is Sunday. This is after the Sabbath day, after their rest. And they have Sunday morning, and they're walking towards the tomb because they knew where it was. They're walking towards it, right? And they're talking amongst each other. Man, who's, man I'm a, and these are two women. And as I recall back, you think uh, the people that rolled that stone, were, it was not just Nicodemus and Joseph. It was his servants, Joseph and Nicodemus, that rolled down that stone. So you have these women, these two women walking, talking, how the heck are we going to roll this stone away so that we can go in and, and, and put some uh, uh, spices around Jesus? How? How is this possible? And they're thinking in their minds, they're in their unbelief, they're thinking, who can roll this stone? And this is where, we, uh, this is where I, I press the brakes and I press a pause in this. It's to us right now. All of us here have a stone in our hearts that's been rolled back. That's been rolled back. There's a heart of unbelief of Jesus' resurrection. Do you believe that Jesus had resurrected? This is the question I leave with you right now as I pause. 
Does Jesus resurrect in your life? Is Jesus resurrecting your marriage? Is Jesus resurrecting your life? Is Jesus resurrecting who you are at this moment? Where you at in life? Is Jesus resurrection? Do you believe it? Because as the women were doubting him, right? Who's going to roll this tomb? Who's going to remove this stone from us? This unbelieving heart that we have, who is going to roll it up? Is it Christ? We can't do it. Obviously, we are, we're like this female that could not roll down this tomb, this tomb, this stone away. Only Christ can. Only God can. So we hear, we continue to read. And he just says right here in, in verse, um, verse 5. And then they saw, no, I mean, verse 40, I mean, verse 4, I'm sorry. Looking up, they saw that the stone has been rolled back and it was very large. Very emphasis on it was the stone was very large. Like, who the heck can move this stone? No one can. And so you start seeing that, that these women were discouraged. These women were on, on, in, in, in a heart of unbelief of who can roll this stone. Now, they see it, right? It's open. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side. A young man sitting at the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Now, they go inside the tomb, and then they walk in, and there's this guy sitting by the tomb on the right side of it. And then people say that this is a, a messenger of God, an angel. And you know, he tells them, and he opens his mouth and tells them this good news. This good news. And he says, and he says to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been, he has risen. He is not here. See the place where he, they laid him? But go and tell his disciples and Peter, and Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Amen. Glory to God. You see right here that this man is sitting there right here and he tells them something. Uh, something that they will never like, oh, I mean, where's Jesus at, right? You can imagine they have the spices around and they're walking in and where is Jesus at? And they see this man sitting, sitting at the right side of the tomb. You know, surprised and afraid. Not, like, they say, don't be alarmed. Like, they were kind of shocked. Like, where the heck is Jesus at? And they see this man right here. It's an angel, right? I said, where y'all, where's Jesus at? I was like, you see where he, because there were eyewitnesses where they buried him too. You know, these women saw exactly where Jesus was laid and they saw where he was at. And so they, 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 of any people, they saw where Jesus was laid. And so they asked, they asked him, where's Jesus, right? And so he's like, you see where where he was laid? He's not there, right? He's, he's, he's resurrected. He's not here no more. The empty, the tomb is empty. Amen. And if it's not glorious to you, what does this, this empty tomb mean to us? What does this tomb mean about Jesus? I leave this with you right now. Like, what does this tomb, empty tomb mean for us? <clears throat> that he was risen. What does that mean right now at this moment in your life? What does this mean? Because if this did not happen, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, if this does not really happen, then we're still in our sin. And our sins are not forgiven. And we're not justified in the eyes of God. 
But we know that it's not true. We know that Jesus rose from the grave. That He conquered death and He conquered sin. That He conquered Satan in our behalf. That now we're here because of Him. We're worshiping Him at this moment because we know that we serve a risen King. A King that is a, a King that is above all kings. And is forever a King. And so we have Jesus here that we know that, that this news that the, these women heard right now from this man is that Jesus has risen. That He is a King of kings and the Lord of lords. That we know that this King is forever. And he tells them exactly where he's going to be at. And like, he's going to be where he told you he's going to be at. So, hey, make sure you go over there and you tell his disciples. And make, hey, make sure, make sure, tell Peter. And I had to stop there at one moment. Like, how did, why, why did he uh, separate Peter from the other? You know, why was he very specific with Peter? What happened with Peter? What did, what did Peter do? You know, he denied him three times. And, and at one point, Jesus and him locked eyes. Oh, what graceful eyes that Jesus had for his Peter. And that those same gracious eyes had made sure that he told this messenger of God to hey, make sure Peter comes. Make sure he knows that I want him with me as well. Oh, what merciful grace, gracious God that we have. When we fall off from our sins, when we mess up, when, we, when there's no hope, when we think that we don't, I'm like, oh, man, I already messed up. I can't come to Jesus. Oh, man, I, I have my heart's all messed up. I didn't mess up last night, or I did this, I did that last week, or whatever that was. To say that Peter, that, that this man said, make sure Peter comes over. Make sure Peter comes over here. So he can experience this grace, this liberating grace that we have in Jesus Christ, this resurrected power that we have in Jesus Christ, so he can experience this. Amen? So we have here that, that the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that dwells in our hearts. Amen? That that same spirit that he, ha that he gave us, that the tomb is rolled over, that it is empty, that it is our hope that Jesus has risen from the dead. Amen? Now, this is the hope that we have. This is the reason why I can share the story of my mom, knowing that she knew the gospel, knowing that she actually believed in Jesus Christ. Because it's not, because our dead is dead, because dead in Christ. And we are alive in Christ because Christ resurrected. Amen? And that's the hope that we got. That's the hope that we have. And that's the only thing that we need. And at the end of the day, when I see that, when, when, when we have this hope, it's not an exit to death, but it's an entry to Christ. And this is the hope that we have, family, that, that we have this hope, that we have the resurrection in Christ Jesus. That we're made new in Jesus Christ. The resurrection in our hearts, in our bodies. Amen? This is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So, family, I know... I know as I finish, and this is the, the, the I, I kind of went through the text, but I'm, I want you to realize this. At the end of the text, it says this, verse 8. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and flee from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment has seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. 
But I mean, if y'all have your Bibles, I want you to do something for me. Go to Matthew chapter 27, 28, sorry. It's beautiful. And this is what it says. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 8. And I'll be reading from there on. So they departed quickly from the tomb, were feared and great joy, and they ran to his disciples. I think right here, it seems, it seems that they kept their mouth shut for a certain, only temporarily. You know? They only kept their mouth shut of this great joy of what they found, an empty tomb that Jesus resurrected. Now let me continue to read Matthew, verse, uh, Matthew 28, verse 9. and says, Behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to, to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Amen. Glory to God. But I want you to realize this, family. The day that God resurrected you, the day that God resurrected you, Recall that day. Pause on that day. I, I, I want you to focus on that day right now. The day that Jesus woke you up, the day that the, the loving kindness of God appeared in you, when this happened to you, when what these women were experiencing at this moment, seeing that, that, that Jesus was resurrected, that Jesus was alive, that Jesus took on death and Satan and hell and conquered, and he was victorious. And glorious. Remember that day that that same news came to you. Remember that day. Recall that day when he woke you up, when he resurrected your heart. Recall that day. You remember it? You remember that day? So with that same heart, God is calling us to not shut up to proclaim his good news, that Jesus lived the life that you could never live, that Jesus died the death that you should have died, and he rose again, that he died and he rose on again, conquering sin, Satan, and hell in our behalf. And he is sitting on high, sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for us and empowering us to do what he called us to do, to proclaim his good news to the people. This is good news, family. This is the gospel. This is the story that we've been preaching in the book of Mark, this is the story of God, the story of Jesus, how he's coming to restore humankind, to come to rescue sinners like us. So family, as, as I close, recall that day. Rejoice. Are you in great joy of what God has done in your life and in your heart? That you will not shut up, that you will not be quiet, that you will open your mouth and share this good news to others. I was reading this book this past week, and I love how he says this, but I'm going to close it with this. He says, we talk what we love. We say the things that we love. And I was like, and and I'm paraphrasing the book, but he says, we talk what we love. We'll say the things that we love. We'll We'll talk about days. We'll talk about it every day. They say, like, you like basketball? We'll talk about basketball because you love basketball. You'll talk about it and you won't want, you'll say, who's your favorite player? You'll say all these things. And if you love books, or, and if you're around people that love books the same, 
oh, y'all talking about that book. You're talking about the characters. You're talking about who, who's this, who's that, and what happened, what, what happened here. And if you love movies, all oh, the same goes around. Like, you love a movie, you're talking about the same thing. So at the same time, and I, and I love the, the imagery that the, that the dude gives. His name is Jeff, and he says this, and he says that, like, when he started talking about his wife, and I was like, man, like, this is beautiful. Like, you recall why, the things that captivated your heart to love your wife. Like, man, her smile, she makes you laugh, the way she does, the way she giggles, the way she does certain things. And I was like, man, so you start laughing because you're hearing him read, and you're writing, he's writing about his wife, and he's actually getting crumb about it. I'm like, man, this boy really loves his wife. And I'm like, man, so he made me, thought of, made me think about my, my Martha, my wife, and thinking of how, how I love her and the why, why I love her and the things that she does and the way she loves and the way she serves and the way the things she does. But the same goes with us, family. The same goes with us. It's the way we love Jesus, the way he loved us. This is the love that we will demonstrate. This is the love that we will share. This is the love that we will proclaim. This is the love that Jesus gave. And this is simple. We make it complicated, but this is simple. Do you recall the love of Christ? Do you recall the day that he loved you, the day that he rescued you, the day that he set you free? Do you recall that day? And so with that, I ask that as, as these women ran with joy in their hearts, I ask the same way with you, run with joy. Wherever you go, that you have this joy in Christ, that you share this story of, of the goodness of Jesus. Family, let's bow our heads.